Hi everyone, welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. After a year of lost revenue, the Gaslamp Museum in downtown San Diego is in danger of closing. Rihanna Luna of the museum has more. Then Chris Reed opines on housing, outdoor dining, and a UC San Diego leader to be remembered. First, the news. Six Democratic lawmakers from San Diego County have asked the state to investigate 15 years of deaths inside the San Diego County jail system, which has the highest mortality rate in the state. The lawmakers want the state to look into a number of issues, including what the sheriff's department has done to mitigate deaths, whether minority groups are overrepresented, and how much the county has paid to resolve legal complaints. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria and officials at San Diego Gas and Electric have worked out details on a potential franchise agreement. As of Thursday evening, no details had been released, and the deal still needs approval from a supermajority of the San Diego City Council before it can go into effect. As it has been for a century, SDG&E is the city's current franchisee. The existing contract ends June 1st. You can expect cold, damp air over the weekend, deepening the May-gray weather that's taken over San Diego for much of the week. San Diego's daytime high was 67 on Friday, which is seasonal, but Saturday will be only 66 and Sunday will be 64. After being closed for more than a year during the pandemic, the Gaslamp Museum in downtown San Diego is in danger of closing if it can't raise funds. Its executive director, Rhiannon Luna, joined me. Rhiannon, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, just to start off with, I was hoping you could share a little bit of history, maybe for people who aren't familiar or haven't been to the museum. Sure, we are the oldest building in downtown San Diego. We were built in 1850, and it was actually brought here by William Heath Davis and he brought a whole shipment of these houses to San Diego to start his new town. So they were prefab houses from um, Portland, Maine that came around um, South America and then were supposed to be for the gold rush, but they came too late. So he bought them um, cheaply and was able to bring them to San Diego to start his town. And then it's gone through a whole lot of history since then. It was actually lived in until the 1980s. So it's seen a lot through in San Diego. That's amazing. Um, of course, the reason we're talking today is there's a little bit of bad news, which is that the museum is in a little bit of trouble, mostly due to the pandemic and missing out on fundraising opportunities over the past years, but yeah, or the past year. Uh, but what are some of the, the challenges you're facing? We are. It's been really hard to be closed for a full year. We also missed out on two of our large fundraising events, which is the Shamrock Block Party. And in 2020, it was actually canceled the day before, which was very hard. And then this year, of course, we weren't able to have it at all. And then to be closed on top of that, it's really been hard to um, recreate those revenue streams that we had before. We've applied for lots of grants and different funding like that, but like everyone is hurting right now. So it's hard for those funds to come through. And I mean, can you talk about the value to the community? So again, the Gaslamp Museum you know, is in danger of closing if, if funding doesn't pick up, if more people don't start visiting. If we lose the museum, uh, what do we, you know, San Diegans lose? It would be really sad to lose it. We're the only people um, specifically looking at Gaslamp history. So we have whole archives based on that, especially um, the 1980 um, restoration of the Gaslamp uh, that we have tons of photographs, documents, all sorts of things relating to that. And that's more recent history that people don't um, see as much, 
but becomes valuable as time goes on. And to lose that archive especially would be very um, detrimental to the history of the area. And then we have the history of the house itself. So from 1850 onward, um, it's just, it's a beautiful piece of history that we have here that people can walk through, look at, you know, it feels like a real house. And that's a very special um, way to view history. I read that um, the, num- you know, visitation numbers are still down, uh, you know, even though you're now open. Do you expect that to pick up? We do think that as more tourists and visitors come down to the area again, it should start to pick up. Uh, We are only open two days a week right now, so that is hard for both us and guests. We hope to be able to increase that as time goes on. Now for opinion. Chris Reed is the deputy opinion editor at the UT. Chris, we had an editorial come out online today about Blackstone purchasing 5,800 San Diego apartments. Uh, You know, the editorial said it raises concerns for the already dire housing crisis. How so? It's because between vacation rentals and purchases like this, outdoor companies or outside investors plainly see San Diego as a place where there's lots of money to be made in real estate and in rent. And when researching the editorial, I found a Wall Street Journal story from a few years ago that found Blackstone just did that same thing in the southeast of the United States. And the whole premise of the Wall Street Journal article was, hey, they see an era of rising rents coming and they see that people are unable to afford homes because they can't afford the down payments. So this is very much a play that reflects the fact we are in the middle of a housing crisis because of the cost of shelter. I mean, do you think anything should be done to, I don't know, not necessarily forbid this, but just, you know, keep companies from coming in, purchasing big plots of land and and raising already high rents? Well, I think that uh, we've taken a partial step towards this by changing the rules on vacation rentals to, to prevent speculation in them. But this is a far bigger problem than vacation rentals. I really don't know how we can rewrite, you know, the fundamentals of, of property rights by banning large companies from buying up San Diego land. Uh, you know, if Congress passed rules that created tax disadvantages for companies doing th- something like that, that's within bounds. But the idea of, uh, of the city being able to do anything, I don't really think the city has the power to unilaterally get involved. And it is scary. I mean, we already have we, everybody who's lived in San Diego for any length of time knows people whose kids have left or whose friends have left because it's just so darn expensive. So it just adds to the crisis. Uh, we also editorialized on a, a proposed NAVWAR site. Um, will you tell me a little bit more about that? NAVWAR is a site of a Navy facility uh, in the Midway District that has been home for more than 20 years to two big Navy spy intelligence agencies, but they're in really beat up structures. And so the Navy came up with the idea was, okay, we will uh, sell this or work with developers to develop this property into a huge uh, housing and residential area with a, with a transit center. And they will pay for our new facilities on a small corner of the 70-acre site. So in some ways, it's kind of a smart example by for government figuring out how to, weigh, how to avoid burdening taxpayers with millions and millions of dollars in new construction. But it's going to be the mother of all NIMBY battles uh, because the proposed buildings are as tall as 350 feet. And if you know that part of the town, that would block thousands of homeowners' views of the ocean partially or entirely. And that's just the exact kind of thing that the NIMBY's absolutely hate, you know, more than anything, even more than extra traffic. They hate to have their ocean views obscured. So it's going to be a a doozy. 
Yeah, I can definitely see that playing out. Um, I mean, how do you think this will play out? Well, the, the real question is whether the state laws that have been passed in recent years that make it tough to obstruct housing are going to kick in. We just had a judge rule up in Oceanside that, uh, that a ban that voters passed on developing farmland into homes was invalid because of a 2019 state law that says that voters can't get in the way of projects like this. So there is some sign that some state laws do have some teeth and that maybe it will expedite more housing. But the stakes are so immense with this one that I, I just think that uh, we're going to see everything. We're going to see attempts to block it through the, through the ballot, if it's possible and legal. We're going to see lawsuits galore. We're going to see human chains, I think, of people blocking it. <laughs> but I think in, in the end, you know, if these new state laws mean anything, then some housing construction, in theory, should be able to get built. Property rights still matter on, on things like this. Well, let's turn to a happier subject, outdoor dining. We are in favor of keeping, uh, you know, outdoor dining on sidewalks and the little parklets, you know, the, the spaces in the streets. Um, I know you're a big fan of this. Why is that? Well, last night I went to Taisho, the hidden gem of the San Diego food scene, and it was just felt completely safe eating outside. And, you know, and it didn't even annoy me that much when people would come by without face masks, especially after CDC's ruling yesterday. So there really are dozens of places in San Diego that have adapted so well to this that it's just you realize it's it's nicer to be outside than to be inside. So I just think it's an obvious uh, an obvious step for the San Diego to take pandemic or not to try to make it easier. And it's nice to see for once the bureaucrats not saying, oh, no, we just can't do that. We have all these reasons we can't do that. It's nice to see first Mayor Falconer and now Mayor Gloria appreciating the the. the options prevented by or presented by having outdoor dining. It's it's a joy. It's it's the only good thing to come out of the pandemic. Yeah, I know the city is weighing its options now. I mean, do you see any reason that this wouldn't happen? Well, I uh, I, I assume that city council members believe that this is popular. And remember, the city council, you know, these are businesses that are that are clamoring for this. And this is a city that has tried to seem sensitive to small businesses for a long, long time. And so I don't know. I have not heard of a council critic. I've heard uh, people raise questions about fire safety, and I've heard people uh, raise questions about the, the danger posed by nearby traffic. But I just it, it just seems like uh, the momentum is for these uh, structures to continue, albeit with some, some uh, minimum rules to ensure safety. I also have to say I'm surprised you gave away your, your favorite spot, Taisho. It's already busy, <laughs> but I think it might get a little busier. Well, it's a long drive up to Oceanside, so I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so finally, uh, UC San Diego, a former chancellor, Marianne Fox, uh, kind of put UCSD on the map. Uh, How so, and how will she be remembered? The University of California, San Diego, is much younger than UCLA and Berkeley. It's only about 60 years old. And when she came in to uh, take over uh, about 20 years ago, she quickly realized the school had immense potential to be a research giant. And so she organized uh, all kinds of different pressures and strategies to get lawmakers and private businesses and companies to beef up the research capacity of UC San Diego. And now it is truly one of the most admired and coveted universities in the world because of the strength of its research across so many different science fields. So she had a vision and she had an exquisite background to realize this. She was a brilliant chemist who got the National Medal of Science from Barack Obama for her contributions and understanding sustainable energy. So it's really remarkable to me to see an academic who's also a brilliant you know, leader, because a lot of times academics come in as university presidents, and it's not a part of the job that comes naturally to them, building coalitions and, 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 and organizing groups to accomplish big goals, but she totally did it. 
You can find these stories online at SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. We'll be back next week.